Hello, everybody. It's Brant Kruger, Event Technology Consulting. I just wanted to jump in before this episode and say, oops. Uh, so we actually recorded this episode a few months ago, uh, right after the Black Hat and, and uh, uh, DEF CON conferences had happened. And so, uh, unfortunately, we kind of lost it for a while. And so we were cleaning out the couch and looking for spare change, and we found this episode uh, in there. So good good thing for us. Um, so it's running a little bit late, but we just wanted to, we thought it was still worth sharing. Sharing with you. So we hope you enjoy this episode and uh, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that doesn't suck. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Event Tech Podcast. He's Will Curran from Endless Events, and he is the fried Brant Kruger. You just said that because of our pre-show discussion. You didn't look that up in the well, adjective no generator. I mean, I realized I didn't have the adjective generator uh, in front of me, so I picked a really oh, good random. I, I mean, it's still random because yeah. we were talking about it. All right, well, I know I could have let right, it you go, decide the audience. I could have let it go, but 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 we. I want to know what you think out there. But you know, usually we throw that out at the end. But we were having a pre-show discussion about vocal fry. If you know what vocal fry is, let us know your opinions about it. Hashtag Event Tech Podcast. But that is not what we are here to talk about, is it, Will? Not at all. Not at all. Today we're talking about all the news coming out of uh, two conferences that have happened recently in the tech space in the tech security space called DEFCON and also Black Hat. Brant, can you talk a little bit about like what are these conferences? And maybe we start off with, um, yeah, what is DEFCON? And then maybe we talk about what Black Hat versus White Hat, all that sort of stuff. Well, it's it's actually Hacker Summer Camp, right? It's this, this wonderful time of year where all the hackers come out and they 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 put on a lot of sunscreen because they might get seen by the sun for a moment as they go from their Uber to the convention center. Um, and we all come out to play. Uh, and so it, actually what it is, so Black Hat and DEF CON happen to be back-to-back security-focused conferences, both taking place in Las Vegas. And they've actually added a third one to the mix called B-Sides. And the idea is this kind of splintered off... Uh, uh, I think a couple of years ago, um, and it's kind of all the stuff that people didn't feel fit anymore in Black Hat or DEF CON. They wanted to just kind of spin off and do their own thing. Um, and I think uh, they're doing those actually all over the world as well. So we've got actually three simultaneous or roughly simultaneous uh, conferences all going on at the same time uh, regarding uh, digital security, um, uh, hacking. Um, as far as the terminology goes, black hat versus white hat, generally, it's kind of funny because the show is is called black hat. And usually what we talk about, you think about the old west, right? You've got the people in the black hats and the people in the white hats. And then, um, uh, you know, the white hat hackers are usually the ones that are the security researchers. They're the ones that are trying to break into things to test things, uh, penetration testing, all of those kinds of things. And then the black cats are the ones that are actually being malicious actors. So it's actually kind of ironic that the show, uh, which highlights all of these security issues, is actually called Black Hat, when in fact, it's acting much more uh, as a white hat in this scenario. And I think it's kind of amazing all the stuff that comes out of it jam packed in such a short period of time. That really, I mean, it's kind of like an anxiety-driven week full of, you know, finding out that there's all these these exposed issues. And what's really interesting, too, is that similar to like, I think, like 
any conference, uh, as we all know, because we put these on, is that they also present findings that they've probably been collecting over the last year about major apps, major um, things. And we're going to talk about a lot of those now. But, you know, it's not just one of these things where like, oh, hey, yeah, I just found this out yesterday. I'm just going to like announce it now. Um, And it's kind of interesting how like you get this flurry of all these exposed issues and things like that. Um, And yeah, it's really interesting because these guys give really big reports on like, how it happened, how it got exposed, and like really go into detail. So it is like a a really um, a security, um, you know, techie guru's dream <laughs> because you really get to learn a lot about how they did it, how it happened, all that sort of stuff, right? Exactly. So so we thought we'd kind of go through, uh, obviously, uh, Will and I have been uh, kind of in this space of cybersecurity and events for a while now and uh, really want to make sure that we're keeping our audiences up to date uh, regarding uh, regarding the latest issues that you need to start thinking about. Now, some of these are going to be uh, related related and relatable to to meetings and events. Others are going to be more generally uh, applicable to just you know businesses and companies in general, uh, especially if you're a higher end one that might have some corporate secrets. Um, and then some of these are just you know maybe we need to know these as just being good you know being good citizens. You know things that we need to know are going on in our world today. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, we want to. Get- give a shout out to TechCrunch. They wrote an article called What Security Pros Need to Know About Black Hat and DEF CON. And we're definitely getting some inspiration from that article. Uh, Shouts to Zach Whitaker for writing that article. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Um, But definitely some ideas coming from there. And then also we'll be pulling from some stuff that just happened this week that not necessarily is related to Black Hat, DEF CON, B-Sides, but will be more so um, just things that happen to be happening this week as well that people need to be aware of. Sounds good. Well, where do we want to kick this off? Well, let, let's start off, I guess, with what they also start off with the article, because I think it brings up this awareness of a of, of the devices and things that we have going on. And they, they basically highlight a lot of people are talking about DEF CON and Black Hat about how Internet of Things devices or IoT devices are a huge risk factor. And I don't think we really talked about this at all in our, our cybersecurity episode, but I think people need to be aware of what's going on because there's so many of these also inside of the events industry. Brent, what is an Internet of Things device? Well, it, you know, it's, it's it's any of these now, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple connected devices that we're putting in our homes. I mean, as we start to expand into the smart home worlds, you know, we're adding smart light bulbs and uh, either those bulbs themselves are connected to Wi-Fi or they're connected to a hub that is connected to Wi-Fi. Um, we're just finding more connected devices. That's where this whole Internet of Things uh, comes from, that all of these devices are in some way or another connected to the Internet. In addition to our phones and our computers and our laptops, we're having all of these other devices connected. I don't know why. I was probably from the pre-show. I'm starting to do a lot of those oh, things if we were joking around a lot Whoa. with our voices. Um, but anyway. We're seeing a lot of these other devices uh, being very much so hackable. So they're not putting a whole lot of thought into these light bulbs and uh, temperature sensors and uh, thermostats and all of the you know security cameras um, that people are getting uh, that are being pushed out now, not only by major manufacturers, but as minor manufacturers try and get in the game to push these products out. At a, at, a, at a significantly reduced price, um, they're not paying a whole lot of attention to security. And so what we're finding
finding out is a lot of these low end and even some of the high end things like security cameras are being left wide open for hackers to come in and connect to um, if they know what they're doing. And it doesn't even take that much knowledge. It actually uh, really is, is, you know, if you can kind of follow a step by step tutorial, pretty easy to discover, find and connect to uh, these types of security cameras. Um, uh, as far as the other Internet of Things that are, are, that are things that are being done with the things, um, uh, they're just starting to use them as um, uh, basically as botnets. So when we talk about a botnet, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a group of computers or devices that are being used to achieve some kind of goal. And even if that goal is to just mess with things, uh, these devices are perfect for that because they, they are connected to the internet. They can be taken over and then can be used uh, as part of, uh, of a denial of service attack that basically you get a million different smart bulbs to attack a single site and it's going to bring that site to its knees. So uh, there's a lot of interesting and uh, easy hacks on a lot of these Internet of Things devices that a lot of thought hasn't been put into. How do we keep these things secure? Um, so that's that's kind of the the 10,000 foot level of what's happening. And it's only going to get worse as we put more and more and more and more of these things in our houses and offices. Absolutely. And I think anybody who knows me well enough knows that I am obsessed with like smart home technologies and Internet of Things devices. Um, and, you know, like so much that when you go and you say, you know, uh, you know, a word, turn off all lights or hey, hey, <laughs> I almost said it. Uh, Google, turn off all my lights. You know, it's like turn yes, it off it adds 45 up lights. I'm like yeah. in a two bedroom apartment. That's crazy. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing that uh, I read another article today uh, or this week, actually yesterday, um, was about the um, the head of Google Nest, which is all their smart home products, their cameras, thermostats, everything, basically their Internet of Things kind of device arm. And the lead of that, uh, Risha Khandra, I think I am saying his name correctly, um, basically said that we're entering into this like fourth stage computer. Like we went from basically personal computing to the web. Then we went from the web to mobile. And now he's saying that we're going to move from mobile to what he's calling ambient computing. The idea that there's sensors and computers and displays all embedded around you and you don't have to actually have the computing directly in your finger like in your pocket or uh, in your backpack or whatever it may be it's just gonna be there and i think that's just going to introduce mm. so many more vulnerabilities because yeah it's all sensor data it's all cameras it's all the things that it provides is is basically the google homes in the a words and the the the, the s words of the world um that are literally going to be there uh to to kind of uh collect that data and that's obviously a a, a vector to attack similarly to the way we talk about in our cybersecurity is that you know the events industry isn't necessarily the direct attack then no one's gonna like right. oh we're gonna take down the events industry it's all gonna come in sideways to get to something exactly else, right? exactly so so it's gonna be a continuing trend that we just need to keep an eye on our on on what we're bringing into our homes and offices and and really go into it intentionally and don't just buy the cheapest smart bulb, right? You know, make sure it's coming from a reputable manufacturer mm -hmm. that's going to stand by the product. Uh, you know, I know the Philips Hue bulbs are expensive, but they're also constantly getting updates, uh, which is one of the things that I love about it. Um, there was, uh, there was, I forget which bulb it was. It had, it had some brief meme ability uh, on, on the internet um, uh, that it was, it was basically how to factory reset the bulb. And it was the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your life. It was this whole video of like, turn the bulb on for three seconds then turn the bulb off turn the bulb on 
turn the bulb off. Turn the bulb on. Oh, and it and it literally was all day. It was one. Of the, it was like it was like nine cycles of like turning the bulb on and off eight times to to, to do oh, a simple man. factory reset. So like clearly nobody put any thought into how you know how wow. that thing should be reset, and much less uh, having updates and things like that. So I guess what I'm suggesting for our audience is just have some intentionality to it. You know, be sure that you're you're getting your your devices from reputable manufacturers. I am not one of the ones that's worried that my Google Homes are listening to me. Um, I really don't think they have that capability to be listening to us all the time, 24 seven, and then targeting our ads. Uh, it's, I, I just, you know, someone would notice exactly the types of people that we're talking about in black hat and DEF CON, they would know if, if this was happening because they're able to more properly monitor the, uh, um, uh, the network traffic. Uh, that's on there. And if, if there was a constant feed from every single Google and uh, uh, Madam A device that's out there, um, you know, back to home base, we would see that network traffic, right? It would be there all the time. So it's it's definitely one of those things. So, but we do, like I say, just need to have some intentionality when it comes to our uh, to our Internet of Things devices. Yeah, and I think also uh, the awareness too that uh, Internet of Things device isn't just limited to just your home, but also a lot of the devices that we're using in the events industry now, things like, for example, uh, beacon technology to know presence sensing mm -hmm. when in rooms so you can know how many people are in a single room. Um, you know, additional things like that are continue to be existing inside the events industry as well. Um, so really, really important to know that like this isn't just limited to just your home and that it's going to come to the events industry more and more as well. Exactly. These devices are going to be everywhere. All right. What, what's the next area that we want to talk about when it comes to the uh, big things coming out of DEF CON and Black Hat? Well, this is one that, that, that we've touched on in our cybersecurity stuff, um, uh, but it's, it's gotten even more complicated. So in the past, we've told folks, you know, hey, you really got to be careful where you're plugging in your phones, um, you know, that, you know, maybe you don't just go plug your phone into any old USB port. Uh, you know, that you see at the airport or something along those lines, because for years they've shown the ability that if, you, you know, that's a data cable, right? It's USB. It's a, it's a USB data cable. So even though you're just using it for charging, it is capable of data. So if you go plugging into, uh, you know, random charge your phone here station um, using the USB uh, port, that's uh, it, definitely been shown that they've been able to, you know, plant malicious uh, uh, programs on there, spyware, uh, you know, copy your copy contacts lists off your phone, all of those kinds of things. And in fact, I actually just recently read an article uh, that one of the charging station companies uh, is when you click on the terms of service that basically you're agreeing, you know, you think you're just saying, hey, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I understand that if you blow up my phone, it's, it's, it's my fault, not yours, that kind of stuff. But buried in that terms of service was we're going to take yeah. your contacts. And we're going to send them emails and sell them for, for uh, you know, for advertising purposes. So, you know, and you agreed to it in when you click on that thing saying, you know, that, wow. that you agree to the terms of service. And so uh, that was actually so. So we already kind of knew that, you know, that this was going to that this was an issue. And so in the past, we've always recommended make sure you're plugging into a, you know, an actual power charger, you know, use the, you know, plug your charger into an outlet um, or make sure that if you are using some kind of power station, you're using your charger charger and your cable. Well, that just got even more important. So because one of the big hacks uh, at uh, see which I don't remember which one it was, if it was DEF CON or uh, 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 or Black Hat, but basically a, a guy worked on it for for quite some time, uh, creating very official looking Apple 
charging cables. Um, so they, they look exactly like the ordinary charging cables, but he managed to actually make it so that there is an exploit uh, in the cable. So when you plug in your your uh, your iPhone into the into the very real looking Apple cable, uh, it is a, it actually will hack the system right away and make it. <laughs> and you have been owned or pwned, as they say, uh, in the biz. So so not only now do you have to make sure that you're not just jacking into any um, you know any old USB port. Now you need to make sure that you're not <laughs> borrowing some stranger's uh, iPhone cable uh, in order to connect to your phone because the, the, it's the cable itself that actually hacks your phone and steals your data. Yeah, this is absolutely crazy. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I was at DEF CON um, and this looks just like an Apple cable. Like it's yeah. identical. It looks so legit. And basically what it looks like they did essentially is they had a couple different things. Um, the most common one is that it has a little Wi-Fi chip into it. Yep. So the idea is that so many people, when they charge their, you know, their iPhone or their, you know, their phone, they're basically they plug it right into their computer because it has a USB port. It's right there. You know, you're already maybe charging your computer. Your computer has enough battery life. And what it does is a Wi-Fi chip that immediately allows someone to connect then to your computer because it's plugged into the USB. Oh my God. It, and that's what they called the cable. They called the OMG cable. That is insane, <laughs> isn't it? It's called the OMG cable. Yep, exactly. And so what's scary though, and this is where we get into the kind of the gray hat world, is that this guy didn't just make it and go, yep, I made it. Isn't that cool? We need to fix it. He made it and then says, I'm going to make a crap ton of them. Not even. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm dropping them over so, the next few days. I think he's just giving them away yeah, for free. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's really, really more important than ever, much like the IoT that you're using... You you know, officially branded, you know, uh, power charging stuff from companies that you trust and knowing where they came from. Right. So that you, you know, you buy them directly from, uh, you know, directly from uh, it, it makes me so nervous now thinking about buying stuff off of Amazon and stuff. Right. You don't know unless it's coming from Anchor or Aki mm. or Apple or something like that. If it's from a third party seller, man, that's going to make me nervous now, too, um, when I start thinking about these types of cables. Yeah, or like, yeah, like um, you're going into a charging station at an event, like, right, like um, companies uh, have all the, I won't name any companies that currently rent gear, but you guys all know the mm -hmm. soft goods furniture companies that have charging stations built into their sofas. Imagine someone just comes around and is like, I'm going to replace this cable, I'm going to replace this cable, I'm going to replace this cable, I'm going to replace this cable. Yep. Oh, there's so Dangerous. many. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and then just think about a convention center, right, where we've got a large event going on. Who's going to notice if you just roll in with a, a charging table, right? So you just look like another vendor dropping something off. No one's going to stop you. No one's going to pay any attention to it. So I think we need to start keeping track of those kinds of things. It's like, where did that come from? Who ordered that? You know? Does it totally, you know, was that something that came from the venue? Because I think I think that's what would happen is like the venue would assume that the event brought it in. The event would assume mm -hmm. that the venue added it. And, you know, mm -hmm. meanwhile, it's, it's nobody's. And then all everyone's utilizing it because they're happy. Right, right, right. Because, yeah, you got to charge your phones. And so meanwhile, the hacker just has to sit within Wi-Fi distance. Uh, you know, it's probably not a very powerful chip, but still, uh, I bet it goes, you know, especially in a, down a long haul of a convention center. You know, you just got to sit there and, and then watch the watch the data roll in. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm not even thinking of that fact. I mean, like someone showing up with a table, you don't need to bring a whole table. And like literally it's just one cable. Like I was uh I don't remember mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I was at a convention center doing an event like last week and they're like, Yeah, look, we have charging stations for your for your your stuff like installed in the venue, but like no one goes, I'm sure, and checks that regularly. And I'm just thinking too, like for an event, it's such a high profile target because you're getting so much volume. Like they're coming in so quick. People are plugging in, plugging in, plugging in, plugging in super duper quick. 
and you're going to be able to get a lot of people's data like very, very quickly versus, um, you know, oh, yeah, you just hand to one person. Well, you're only getting access to one person where an event you might get. So there might be how many people you think use a charging station, like hundreds Oh, this, this 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 literally is making me sick to my stomach. The more that I read about it, I mean, it's just once plugged in, an attacker can remotely control the affected computer to send realistic-looking phishing pages to a victim screen, or remotely lock a computer screen and collect the user's password when they lock back in. <sighs> uh, yeah. All right. So we're all host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling the anxiety right now. Anxiety oh, yeah. right now. Just, oh, and the fact that this guy is just going to start dumping them on the market just oh, just makes me sick. And that's that's when we give hackers a bad name because I've always been of the opinion that hackers and the word yeah. hacking and all that kind of stuff has has received a, an unwarranted negative connotation. And, you know, that there's actually a lot of benefits. You know, we talk about hackathons and things like that. All hacking ever was originally was just trying to break stuff to see what you could do with it. And, you know, there's a lot of legitimate uses for that. You know, I used to take apart stereo equipment and that's why I know so much about tech and how things work um, because I was just take stuff apart. Um, but anyway, so cables. <laughs> stay away from the cables if they're not yours make sure yeah make sure you and if you get them you know if you get them make sure you're buying cables them you never sources. <laughs> uh, but i think i think we can probably move on from that one uh it just makes me sick yeah absolutely absolutely all right so what are the big things that are coming out of defcon uh maybe we talk a little bit about uh i think it was i don't think i was at, oh no it was at oh, defcon yeah. um some research brought on about amazon's storage um should we talk about this a little bit yeah i don't know too much about this one so lay it on yeah go ahead yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Amazon, um, in addition to doing e-commerce, their largest and most profitable center for business is actually the, the web servers that pretty much run 75% of the internet out there. Um, so in fact, probably the recording software we're using right now is probably using Amazon's web services, as they call it, or AWS. Um, and they also have, um, in addition to AWS, which runs like live websites, things like that, they also provide a lot of high volume storage solutions. Um, and this one's called the Elastic Block Storage Snapshots. And the idea behind this is that, let's say, for example, you're like uh, even a company like Endless. Um, we're creating a ton of video content, audio content. When we get done with it, we're done editing it. It needs to kind of go into like cold storage per se, right? And what that does is allows Amazon basically to store something at very, very cheap rate for like pennies per gigabyte to store your data that you might not ever really touch very often, but you want to have it backed up somewhere. Well, some research just presented at DEF CON uh, reveals basically that, um, mm. that Amazon is inadvertently leaking their own files from the cloud. And there's some exposed um, what they call buckets or kind of sections of storage that are packed with data that if you don't configure it properly, could be set to public. Wow. So I think the important thing to like know about this is that, it, yeah, sure, maybe you want to consider what solution you're using to store all your data and all these things like that online right, and right, a big right. company like Amazon, but always making sure that you check all the settings of everything when you're setting it up. Because a lot of times these things are defaulted for ease and simplicity. Yeah. In this case, I'm sure it's set. It's not necessarily set to public, like, oh, hey, I can Google search your data per se, but it might be set public where you don't need a secret key that only you have access to, for example, to get into that data and upload to it. It might just be like, hey, you just pointed at a URL and it just uploads there um, and then allows you to download really, really easily. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's important to like, I'm, I'm a settings nerd. I don't know if anyone knows that. Brant, do you even know that? But I like, first thing I do when I get a new app, go in all the settings, I 
see what all the settings are, twist, twist and turn them on and things like that. And you'd be surprised. Sometimes the most powerful features in addition to like ease and functionality are turned off by default and uh, you end up getting to go through it. But make sure that from a security standpoint, you always go through all your settings and make sure it's set to be absolutely secure. Yeah, it looks like there's a couple different things going on there. One is like you said, where you know people have these, these S3 buckets and they they have inadvertently left them public. But then it looks like there's also this other thing that that is going on in the article where they're talking about these these uh, volume snapshots that Amazon is doing um, that uh, that that Amazon is in itself inadvertently kind of leaving public. And the the, the analogy they use is that when you wipe a hard drive, uh, you really need to shred it. But these are these are basically virtual hard drives. And so, you know, they've got data, even if you quote unquote, write over them, that data is still there. And that's the, that's the, that's true with current, you know, regular hard drives as well. So um, that's why you kind of need to shred them. You need to, you know, wipe, wipe, wipe that data. Um, but these virtual volumes, it looks like are being left kind of unshredded. Uh, and your people are figuring out how to poke around in them and find find data that has been, you know, either reformatted or deleted. Uh, is kind of the what I'm pulling out of this. Both very bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah, both very, very, very bad. But I mean, this is kind of the the the, the interesting part about uh, DefCon and Black Hat is that like you know like this is something that they're presenting and putting a lot of information out about how it's happening and how to fix it, yada yada yada. And what's interesting is that um, the the companies are responding very quickly. I think a lot of them are actually attending mm. these conferences. So Amazon probably was sitting in on mm -hmm. that session. They're head of security and was like, oh, yeah, I know how exactly to fix. Okay, great. This is really great to fix. And, you know, luckily they're yeah. all commenting very, very quickly saying like, hey, we're going to get this fixed. We know how to get this fixed. Like, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 usually what the goal of this stuff is: is to bring it to light so that people can fix it. And that's honestly that's why you want people hacking on things. That's why we want uh, protections for white hat hackers. Um, because the more we bring stuff to light, it's also a good uh, reasoning behind open source software. That when the more people you have looking at something, the the more likely it is that you're to be able to find a thing. They found some pretty interesting things. I'm looking, uh, continuing to look through. They found actually uh, snapshots that that included VPN. Uh, information uh, for, for corporations so they'd be wow. able to actually log on to those corporate corporate VPNs. Um, and they actually uh, also found a snapshot of a government contractor uh, that provided data storage for several federal agencies, uh, <laughs> including uh, intelligence uh, gathered from messages sent to and from the so-called Islamic State terror group. Um, and to quote the researcher, those are the kinds of things I definitely do not want to be exposed to the public Internet. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. Yeah, I'm definitely sure. going to agree with that. So that was definitely, yeah, that, that was another big one that came out this week. Uh, any more you want to add? On that? Yeah, I think one of the interesting ones I'm looking at too is says uh, WordPress installations. I mean, WordPress pretty much runs almost 95% of the internet nowadays. And the fact that like API tokens, password hashes were found for those installs, um, really, really interesting. Um, and that can definitely affect everybody um, for sure. And I think another takeaway too for this, I mean, in general, I think for as we're going through this as well, is when it comes to these like conferences, or obviously there are people like kind of poking at and trying different things, you know, then you know, again, that white hacker kind of mentality, you should have kind of a white hacker mentality or have someone do it for your events as well not only from the security standpoint right someone who can kind of poke and try and you know evaluate and things like that but also like you know that's how you should th think about your own events when you're planning them as well is you know how can we um, poke at and test and try 
new and different things that might be a vulnerability so then that way we can fix it. And it's the only way you'll know unless someone yep, just yep, decides yep. to do the black hat side of things, which is what we want. All right. Avoid. So the next one I want to bring up was the war shipping. Ooh, yeah, yeah. This one's really interesting. You said this to me on Slack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were kind of going back and forth with this on Slack as soon as I saw it. So so just to, so people understand the name, it's not just made up, you know, craziness. Uh, there's a couple of things going on there. So one is war driving, uh, which was the terminology that was used uh, when people would just drive around looking for open Wi-Fi networks um, and uh, or or just driving around looking for unsecured Wi-Fi networks. Um, and then later, you know, as more more people secured their networks, you would just literally park on the street and spend all day trying to hack into that network, collecting just enough data to eventually try and figure out what the encryption was. So that's war driving. And then there was there was another variation of the war uh, i forget what it is so we'll, but there's another another variation so that's where this idea of war shipping comes from and what they figured out in warshipping, and this was actually backed by security researchers at IBM. So this was uh, definitely a a, uh, a well funded and well backed thing. But then again, so you know, so we're going to be state sponsored uh, hacking and things like that. So what they set out to do and succeeded in doing was okay. How can we use mailing packages? Uh, to to basically hack a, a corporate network, and so what they put together uh, using you know pretty much off the shelf components um, was a little device uh, that they could pack into uh, you know an ordinary shipping package, you know make it look at, like it's coming from Amazon or something like that, and that little device would have a very low power mode that would you know just power up enough to send a GPS signal. Um, back to the command and control servers. And so that way the the bad guys, the quote unquote bad guys, would know where that device is. And then they would know when it arrived at its at its uh, destination. So let's imagine you're trying to steal secrets from 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 a, a corporate competitor. You send them one of these packages and you notice when it arrives. And once it arrives, you power up the main system and the main battery. And the main system and the main battery then immediately tries to start connecting to Wi-Fi networks and use a lot of these kind of war driving techniques. Um, but the difference is now you're inside the, the call is coming from inside the house. So now you're, you're inside, uh, you know, a competitor's, uh, you know, building able to get access to, you know, those networks. And then it just starts banging away on those networks, trying to find a way to either find open networks or, you know, break the encryption. And it's 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 very possible to break the encryption on Wi-Fi if you have time and patience. Um, you just need to kind of collect enough packets that eventually you can kind of figure out what the keys are um, and and break in. So it's it's something as as because security researchers know that they have a tendency to physically put the most sensitive networks deep inside uh, the physical locations of the buildings to prevent someone from doing exactly that, being able to sit nearby uh, and and start hacking on the corporate network, but this gets around to that. So the, the whole device costs about $100 uh, to build, and it is equipped with a 3G modem, you know, so it doesn't have to be a super fast uh, modem. So it could be remote controlled as long as it had cell phone service. And then again, with, those, with that onboard uh, wireless chip, it would periodically start scanning for networks. And, you know, just like any laptop's going to do, right? It's going to scan for those networks. Uh, once it's gotten in that location. So this is a truly frightening piece of technology that they've, and pretty devilish too, um, because what it's going to force people to do is really take, you know, we already kind of, Insane. 
Uh, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of safety that comes uh, just from being a big business, right? When it comes to, you know, packages and safety and you have to watch out for, you know, I don't know, bombs or chemicals or things like that. But now what it means is the moment that package, from the moment that package arrives, you have to somehow, you either have to open it right away and determine that this thing uh, is, uh, you know, is there and get rid of, you know, smash it real quick or whatever. Um, or you have to somehow keep your packages in like a protected, it's it's called a Faraday cage, right? That doesn't let any kind of radio signals in or out uh, of the box, you know? So the, the ability for companies to do that, especially small companies, is going to be incredibly difficult. So this is another one of those things where like, man, that's devilish. And you know, it, you know, if these guys can figure it out, um, you know, anybody can figure it out that's got any kind of uh, hacking smarts or state sponsorship. And so it brings us another another much like the cables and things like that, another whole new level to to um, having to protect your data. Totally. I, I, I one of the ideas I just had to because um, we, we were talking about this. So I had a little bit of a leap head start on trying to think of a solution, but I almost see this potentially creating like a, a mailroom intermediary service. Where, for example, instead of mail getting directly right. delivered to the building, it, you know, gets sent somewhere else. And then like almost like a TSA check, checks through all your packages, scans it, you know, all these things like that, looks for devices that are on and all that sort of stuff. Because it's crazy. I'm looking at a video right now that explains how the IBM researchers um, were doing this. Mm -hmm. And they stuffed one of them inside of a stuffed animal that cheats cheeks light up. And it looks totally innocent. It looks legit. So like if you get a gift and it says like, hey, thanks for all your awesome hard work. Here you go. And someone's like, oh, cute. Boom. Right on my desk. <laughs> cute little stuffed duck. Woohoo. <laughs> you know, and then you're 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 there you go. Just like you said there. They have access to everything. Really, really crazy. I mean, um, absolutely crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, and once again, the whole goal of this is education, right? We're, we're educating people to know that this is possible. And so just knowing that it's possible and getting the daylight out there is 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 really important uh, aspect to these to these conventions. Definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. Any other ones that we want to kind of highlight from the um, from the uh, DEF CON uh, uh, black hat kind of world as well? Those are the biggest ones that are going to affect affect people the most directly. Um, and on the indirect side, I think it's worth mentioning. It's a little less connected to our industry or to corporate, uh, you know, corporate America in general. Um, but just the fact that they continue to have uh, a voter village aspect of this, where they mm -hmm. actually purchase um, real, live, actual voting machines that are being used in the United States. Um, and and give people an opportunity to hack on them. And uh, it's it's one of those things that I think we need to be aware of uh, as citizens of this country and other countries uh, to make sure that we're having fair elections that, you know, we need to have. It's great to have technology. It's great to have the ability to tabulate things quickly. Um, but these machines suck. Um, they're, they're absolutely terrible. Um, you know, last year they were able to hack one using only a USB keyboard uh, and they were able to do that in less than a minute. So they were able to uh, break out of the voting terminal and affect the memory, crash the machine. Uh, and when, if you can crash a machine, that's when you can start to execute malicious code. So crashing machine is always the first step uh, toward uh, being able to execute uh, bad code on this. And they were able to do that in less than a minute. So 
you know, imagine just sending someone into a voting, uh, a voter booth. Um, and you know, you just, those, those tiny, those USB keyboards now are tiny, right? Like you could fit one in, in your, in your, you know, jacket pocket. Um, and in, in, you know, it's going to take some people more than a couple minutes to vote. And so you have to make sure you give them time. Um, but this is, this is really, truly frightening stuff. So I, like I said, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because it's not directly, uh, impacting the industry, but it's something that we as, as, as people, as citizens, uh, need to know about and need to know that this is going on. So I, personally this is me brant taking off my my uh event uh, uh event icons and event tech event tech podcast hat event tech for, podcast for, for hat. just a moment to, to use to say personally uh i believe this is something we need to be much more aware of and so i strongly encourage folks to to talk to their members of congress because there have been uh, uh legislation there's been legislation that's been passed um that that puts in some pretty common sense stuff uh, for taking care of our elections uh, and making sure that cities and counties and states have the money that they need in order to secure these things. And it is being blocked by certain people uh, in the Congress for whatever reasons. Um, uh, so again, not without getting too deep into politics, I would just urge folks to please, please contact your Congress critter uh, and, uh, and let them know that this is something that's important to us as citizens and that we need to be able to uh, uh, trust our democracy. Uh, the second half of that is uh, is that as it's it's cool to use technology, but there needs to be a paper tra- paper trail. So you know, there's lots of really good voting machines that are out there that still take advantage of making voting easy and simple. But there is a paper trail to make sure that we, the human beings, mm-hmm. can use our eyeballs and actually physically count things if we need to do so um, in case there is a problem. So, getting off the soapbox now, putting the hats back on. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I think I think it's really, really important that, you know, awareness is a huge part of everything that we're doing. And I mean, that's one reason why we wanted to do this episode is that you know, there's a lot of these things you might think to yourself like, well, OK, that doesn't necessarily directly impact me and my size of my meetings or the types of meetings I do or I'm doing, you know, maybe weddings or something like that. But the important thing is awareness in general of this source stuff, because the last thing you want to do is be caught off guard because that's where mm-hmm. you get take advantage of a hundred percent because, you know, for example, like I still talk to people who are like, no, I just use the same password for everything. Um, yeah. But then once they're made aware of how easy it is to use a password manager, which we've talked about in that past episode on cybersecurity, um, you know, they go, Oh wow. Like I didn't know that this was possible or this would happen. Um, or, oh my gosh, I didn't know that my Instagram account's passwords got leaked. I should change all my passwords. Awareness, I think, is just a huge, huge part of the security trend. It is. I've got kind of one more bonus one that, like like you said, is not directly connected to uh, um, uh, these conferences, but has come out more in the last couple of weeks, uh, which is something that we've talked about before, but it's, it's getting worse. Um, and another example of how we're going to continue to be targets, especially associations. So if you're working with associations or, or you work for an association planning their annual conference or, or even their in-between meetings and events, just be aware that that, that, that is... As, as we predicted, was going to start picking up the the targeting of associations, um, as well as city and state governments. So the the commonality between these things, between associations and cities and, and, and other government entities, is that we, they have a tendency to post their, their structure publicly. So you can see who's the president, who's the past president, who's the vice president, who's the treasurer, you know, all of these local organizations and, and major associations across the country and across the world 
have a tendency to do that. And then same with city governments, right? Here's the mayor, here's the, you know, here's the city manager, here's the city council, you know, here's the parks manager. You know, we need all that stuff to be publicly accessible. But what it does is it exposes us to these targeted phishing attacks, these spear phishing attacks, where then it's easy for a malicious actor to create an email that looks like it's coming from the treasurer uh, being sent to the president or vice versa, right? Here's here's the president of the association sending some of this to the treasurer. Hey, I've got this spreadsheet that, you know, that I, I just don't understand these numbers. You know, maybe you can help me explain them because you're better with numbers than I am. And then the treasurer opens up that spreadsheet and boom, you are pwned. So, you know, same thing with city government, same thing with schools. So uh, as it kind of along the lines of the voter booths, uh, you know, if you have any connections to these organizations, um, the, we're seeing hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars and up into the millions of dollars being either paid out to hackers that are, that are locked you know, doing ransomware uh, on these um, on these entities, um, or at the very least, uh, they're having to go back into backups and recover that data. Um, sometimes that is being covered by insurance. Uh, you know, we had a whole uh, episode on backups just recently came out uh, as as we record this show. Um, uh, so it's important to listen to those things. <laughs> Make sure you've got a backup. But if you if you uh, deal deal it all with your schools, with your city government, with your local government, your state government, uh, or or are working for an association where this information is publicly available, you really need to start paying attention and getting the word out amongst your people uh, that you are a target. Um, I, I actually reached out to both my city and my schools uh, in the last couple of weeks just to say, hey, guys, uh, seeing a lot of this as people are coming back to school and they're plowing through their emails, they might not be paying attention uh, that closely. And sure enough, uh, our, our local IT uh, district director was all over it and was like, yep, we've already instituted all of these secure measures and all of these things. And we're doing a training program to get people to know how, how not to click on links and email and all that kind of good stuff. So that's my other soapboxy thing for this for today. I love it. I love it when Brand gets on the soapbox. He's uh he he soapboxy. He, he gets very very boxy and very soapy. Uh, very <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. I think uh, I think you're 100 percent right for sure. I agree with you. All right, let's wrap this papy so, up. Papy up. Papy. This papy. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, this papy. The papy. Well, we talked about a paper trail yeah. earlier, so this let's wrap this papy papy up. Um, yeah, no, awesome stuff. Uh, Brand, you want to kind of just take us home and uh, kick that outro? I'd love to. You know, it's 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 so important, folks, and that's why we like to do these episodes that we you know we know what's going on in the space, even though we're not necessarily cybersecurity people ourselves. Uh, the important thing is to make sure that cybersecurity is is all of our responsibilities. It's not just being taken care of, uh, you know, by by the white hats and by you know by folks with the glasses down the hall. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're all doing our part to make sure that we're keeping uh, ourselves, our organizations, and our attendees uh, data safe as possible. So, Will, thank you so much for joining me as always. I really appreciate it. Yay. Yay. I love it when we can just rock this nerdy stuff out. Um, so so thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it as well. Yeah, as You can listen as always. You, uh, always you know, a pleasure your favorite uh, uh, podcatchers, whether that's uh, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Spotify. We're seeing a lot of interesting uh, data coming from Spotify these days, so that's always fun. Uh, but wherever uh, you listen to uh, your podcast, 
podcast, be sure and let us know uh, if we are not on there because we want to be where you want to listen. But of course, one of the best ways that you can do that is at eventtechpodcast.com. There you're going to see all the show notes and the links to all the resources that we share, the transcripts. We'll drop some of the links to some of these articles that we're talking about uh, you know, over the course of today so that you can check it out and be just as scared as we are. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think about you know, what we're learning from these conventions? Um, uh, you know, that would be a, a fantastic episode, by the way, as I'm thinking about this, Will, as I would love to get someone on from one of these hacker conventions because it's got to bring a whole different level of security, right? Because you've literally got a convention full of people whose whole purpose in life mm. is hacking things. So uh, if anybody knows anybody out there that's related to any of these, uh, whether it's Black Hat or DEF CON or B-Sides, totally. uh, that is willing to share the experience of being a planner or an IT person related to those events, please do let us know. Contact us. You can do that at hashtag Event Tech Podcast or send us a good old-fashioned email at eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Event Tech Event Tech Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast. Event Tech out. Kick, 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 kick it out. Event Tech out. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.